How are you? Doing pretty good? In spite of everything, you're doing well. I think that's the way we want to look at it. And, and let's uh, just decide that we're going to do and be whatever God wants. Let's make sure we, we've decided that. There, was, there are a lot of times in, in, the, in my life in ministry, I say a lot of times, sometimes, I just didn't feel like going to church. You know, maybe I was sick or something, wasn't feeling the best, but I went anyway. And that's how we want to live our lives. Doesn't, our lives aren't dependent on how we feel. Our lives are dependent on whom we know. Yes. So I just, uh, just want to share a bit with you tonight and just make sure that you're doing fine. Before we uh, started our praise and worship, I had a strong, strong sense that God was, was hearing uh, petitions and, and moving in lives. I had a very strong, strong sense of that and, and began to look around the, the room to see if there was some particular person that uh, he was speaking of. And whenever God doesn't show me some specific person, it's kind of like we can use our Texas language and say, all y'all. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody. There's something you need from God. Just receive that. And uh, believe God. I mean, you know, if you don't believe God, you believe in something else. And that's how that works. I mean, that's not a threat. But if I don't believe God, I'm believing my symptoms. I'm believing whatever's troubling me. So I'd rather believe God who cannot lie than symptoms that can. So so let's trust Jesus tonight. I want to continue um, chapter 10 of John and share some thoughts with you from John. I I mentioned in... um, in the last time I shared, I was going to say the last session, whatever, but the last service I shared, but Jesus uh, talked about being the door to the sheep. And then I went back, and the, in other words, you cannot come into his fold unless you go through him. You know, he's the door of the sheep. And then he talked about being the bread of life in John chapter 10, the bread of life. And I think you might want to, what we would call juxtapose, you know, lay out uh, Jesus being the bread of life and the manna in the the wilderness and how we get all excited about the manna in the wilderness. But Jesus said to those who trusted in the manna in the wilderness, he said, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. I mean, that's graphic. But he who eats this bread shall never die. We've got to grab hold of that, grasp that, and never let it go. And then he taught, we, we taught a little bit about uh, Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, and we t- he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. We talked about the life that is in you is light. You have understanding by virtue of the light that is in you, by the life that is in you. Uh, If you were to walk into a lighted room and close your eyes, you know, you could not see. And when Christ comes into you, into your heart, 
if you still have no understanding, no discernment, then you must have your eyes closed, your spiritual life. You must have closed something. Now, it would be different if you were to say, I, I don't understand what I see. Then we can go from there. But to be blind and following the blind is such a bad thing to say I'm a believer and I'm following people who are blind. And we talked a bit about that. And so we don't want to be that kind of a believer that's just believing everything and does not know whom you have believed, Christ Jesus. And so I, I, we shared about those things. And then I think the last verse that we shared on was in verse, uh, chapter uh, 10, verse 10, where Jesus says um, that the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. So every time the devil raises his head or comes into whatever you're doing, trying to steal your peace, you know, trying to take your joy, when he comes in for those reasons or, or th- for those, that purpose or those purposes, he comes in to disrupt what you, th- you believe and what you have laid hold of. So he does not come with good intentions, Jesus is saying. He doesn't come with good intentions. He comes to steal, kill, or destroy. So he's, he's not your friend. I, I know that there are believers, and we, we would disagree. We don't have to be disagreeable, but we, we disagree. I, I don't find anything scripturally that says there's good in the world system. I do know that God is good to people there. But I don't find anything good that is inherent in that system. And so when Jesus uh, tells us the agenda of the thief, we have to believe that. And uh, he is the life giver. My subject today is the life giver. Speaking of Jesus, part two. And let's talk about I am the good shepherd and let's see where we go from there. In verse 11, uh, I want you to notice that Jesus talks about himself so much in this particular chapter and from this verse on. He's told us, I am, I am. And of course, whenever Jesus says, I am, we go back, I think we can go back to the burning bush where Moses got a real revelation of God. Uh, you just, just tell the leaders of Israel that I am has sent you. And they'll know what you're talking about. Uh, let me just say quickly that growing up in the 70s, Growing up in the 70s, we, we, we had a lot of good things going on there. I mean, there were, there were a lot of powerful movements. The charismatic uh, renewal was, was very big, and, and uh, the Jesus movement. There were just a lot of great things that were happening. And then there were also distracting things that were happening. And some believers, some who professed faith, went after those things that would distract and it's very strange whenever a, uh, you say you're a believer and you always go after the peripheral things, that is very telling and it says something uh, that you may need to just go back to the altar and ask God to remove all of those uh, maybe wrong proclivities that you have, you know, leanings that you have, inclinations toward things. Uh, if there's something bad, you're, you're always over there looking at it. You, you, stay away from those kinds of things. So I, I think that those things were going on in the 70s. But one thing, uh, you know, about the 70s that, that, that always disturbed me 
was that, that you could have almost anything. Um, that, that there, was, there were great things happening, but if you wanted demons, you could have them, and people were always, you know, spitting on you and casting things and, and doing all those kinds of things. I don't find that to be, be the case. I find that when Jesus in this verse 11 says, I am, he's talking about himself in a way that produces good results to the hearer. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now, uh, when he said, when God said to Moses, I am that I am, go tell the people uh, that I am has sent you. Uh, what uh, it is my view uh, that what, what God was saying to them is that they have a language. Um, every people has a language. And in the 70s, they told us we need to get rid of our language. I do understand that when we are talking to people in the world that we need to make ourselves clear. But I love our language. Um, you know, it's like uh, if I'm in another country and I hear a certain twang, I can almost tell you where that American came from. I, I love our language. And I've noticed that most people who speak English abroad or from other nations, they don't talk quite like us. If, if, if I'm with, I remember a lady came to Egypt once and she was talking and she had about three syllables in one syllable word. And I knew she was from the South. You know, so our language is, is, is peculiar to us. And the enemy wants to change our language. Here in, in this text, Jesus says, I am. I am the good shepherd. So he is differentiating himself from bad shepherds. I am the good shepherd. When he says, I am the true vine, he's saying there are false vines. And you and I need to read between the lines. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. He gives. It's not taken. So that's, that's what we have to uh, grasp there. But a hireling. So Jesus is differentiating himself from those who are out for hire. But a hireling, uh, he who is not the shepherd, hirelings are never the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. We are living in that day, brothers and sisters. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Now, I want you to, to pay particular attention to the word uh, catches he catches uh, the sheep. He catches the, sh the sheep. And, um, and what does he, he do? He scatters them. So he is out for no good. Verse 13 says, the hireling flees. Uh, this is um, uh, uh, the second time Jesus mentions the hireling. He says, a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own, own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and leaves the sheep and flees, all right? And he reiterates that. He says, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Then he tells us again, the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. So there is a time when you and I, and this time is now, you and I are living in, that there are many hirelings, that is, people who don't care about the sheep, and they run when um, trouble comes. In 14, he says again, I am the good shepherd. Now, why does Jesus continue to reiterate these things? Why does he keep saying them again and again? Sometimes we're in church and we think, well, I want to hear something new. Uh, tell me something new. Uh, 
when you've not even understood the old. You've not even applied it to your life. You know, if, 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 my, if my weightlifting, if I'm, weight, if I'm lifting weights to get strong in order to do a particular task, and, and after all of my weightlifting, I still can't complete the task, I need to do some more weightlifting, not get he- heavier tasks or more difficult tasks. And so here Jesus is saying again, he wants you to know that Jesus, he cares for you. I am the good shepherd. Now listen to what he says. And I, and I, again, he's speaking of himself, know my sheep. So it doesn't matter. You, you don't ever have to believe a lie because every time the devil's lips are moving, he's lying. Every time his tongue wags, he lies. He cannot tell you anything good. And when he says something negative about you, don't say, that's true. No, it's not true. It may be a temporary fact, but but soon as I get hold of what God is saying, that fact is not going to have any weight at all because Jesus is the truth. You have to live like that. You have to live like that. And he says, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep. I love that fact. I know my sheep. I know my sheep. You belong to him. He says, I know you. And, And that knowing really does have to do with intimacy with you. Uh, he is thoroughly acquainted with you. He has, he has now come to live in you by his spirit. So he says, I know my sheep. I know my sheep, right? So Jesus is giving us confidence when he talks like that. And am known by my own. Yeah. I, I told you the story. Let me tell you quickly. Uh, I always think I can get through with more of these scriptures than I can. A number of years ago, my wife and I had gone to a, a conference. It was a convention, I would say, maybe more than a conference. It was a convention, and we were in Waco, Texas. It was a very, very large convention, and we were we had gotten there uh, uh, just a tad after the meeting started. We were coming from uh, some place. I think it was in Houston. We were driving from Houston to Waco, and we got there, and we sat. It would be on this side of the building, way on the on the side. And the building was several times larger than this. And there was a woman walking up an aisle to the front, and my wife says, oh, there's your mom. And she looked like my mother. And I said, oh, no, that's my, not my mom. That's not my mom. She said, yeah. I said, no, it's not my mom. I said, she doesn't walk like my mom. My mom does not walk with her head down. I said, no, no, that's never my mom. It's what Jesus is saying, that you now have discernment because of the life that is in you, the light that is in you. And, and he, you, he says, and am known by my own. So we know him. We know him when people are talking to us. We know when people are, are trying to deceive us. We know even if they are not trying to in, uh, directly to uh, deceive us, there's an indirect uh, agenda there. And we know, wait a minute, I'm not even supposed to be listening to this garbage right now. And I have walked away from the television. I have walked away from whatever I was watching or turned it off because I go, this is not beneficial because I don't see any Jesus in it. Yeah. Because Jesus is life giver, right? He's life giver. And so whatever you're doing and watching, whatever it is, if it's not life, you know it's not God. Are you with me? And then Jesus goes on when he's talking about relationship. He says, and the Father knows me. That's amazing. He's putting you in in an amazing category. I know my sheep and am known by my sheep. 
as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. So listen to us. So he's bringing us into this amazing relationship. As the Father knows me, what the Father knows him, we know him. And he says, even so I know the Father. And, then, and he wants us to know his intimacy with God the Father, which assures us and reassures us that it doesn't matter what we go through, we're going through it. It doesn't matter if the waters are over everybody's head. We're going to bob or we're going to swim or we're going to float or we're going to do something. We're not going to drown. I mean, that, that's what God wants to assure us of. I'm not going to drown today. You know, I, you know, you know I, I watch too many of those old Western movies and I, I have to watch myself. I don't watch them much anymore. Uh, maybe it's because they haven't made any. I don't know. But um, there was one, and a little, one single line where a, a crooked sheriff was going to arrest somebody, and he looked at it, this, this, the character looked at him and said, I don't think I'm going to let you arrest me. Now, you don't have to do that out there, all right? <laughs> don't be doing that to the officers out there. <laughs> but I think we can look and say to the devil, I don't think I'm going to let you mess with me today. You know, rather than, oh, help Jesus, you know, I don't think I'm going to let you bother me today. I don't think I'm going to let you steal my joy. I don't think I'll let you muddle my vision. I don't think I'm going to do it today, devil. You know, I, I think we can take that kind of authority. Why? Because we are known by him and we know him and we are in that same category as, as, as Jesus knowing the father and the father knows him, knowing him. And then he goes on to say to the, his audience, his Jewish audience, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, now, it's not just a matter. It's very important that Jesus laid down his life for us. But it's not just a matter that he laid down his life for us. It's also what did that life bring us? Because when he laid down his life for us and he got out of the grave on the third day, we got out too. We got out of every grave that we were in. And so that life is now our sustaining life. And he wants you to know that. I mean, don't believe something just because you feel it. I'm sure there are people who are living right here who felt like they were dying at one time. I know I have. I thought, this is it. <laughs> this is it, man. I'm going. And I was on the floor, laying on the floor. And I thought, well, I'm still alive. What's happening? Had vertigo. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, you, do you believe every feeling you have? Come on. I'm not fussing at you, am I? I'm just talking to you. I'm talking like my friend. I'm talking to you. Then he says, and other sheep I have, speaking of himself again, speaking of himself a lot. He wants us to believe in him. I have, which are not of this fold. In other words, I've got some Gentile sheep too. That's, that's a, that was a strange doctrine for Israel. And sometimes it may be strange for us to believe that there's some people outside these walls who may love Jesus uh, one day that may love Jesus more than we've been loving him. I have other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my father loves me. Well, why, Jesus? Because I laid down my life that I may take it again. Now, you want to see how formidable Jesus is, how amazingly powerful this humble, amazingly humble servant, gentle, you know, never ever uh, 
reviled when he was being reviled. Never threatened anybody. Never did that. Listen to what he says. Verse 18. No one takes it from me. Can you imagine that? You're living as a lamb in the midst of wolves, strong bulls, the Bible says bulls of Bashan, all kinds of vicious people, dog-like people, wolf-like people, bull-like people, animal-like people, whatever you want to say. And he said, no one takes it from me. Here you are, as it were, depending totally on God the Father, never defending yourself, never anywhere did Jesus slap anybody. But they slapped him, and he knew who did it. What am I saying? He didn't strike back, and yet nobody could take his life. And if nobody could take his life, nobody can take his life that is in you. No. You're not going until it's your time. And you need to believe that. Never believe the lie of the enemy. Listen to what he says. Jesus says, I. He says I so many times. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. So whatever God tells you is what you ought to believe and what you ought to promote. Promote what God says. Do not promote what you feel, what you think that is outside God. You know, perhaps I'm a bit more radical than, than some of you in the sense that I don't find good in the world system. I don't find it. I do find that, there, that the world system has some, some temporal benefits. I mean, they have some temporal benefits, but, but when you die, they die. I mean, you, you could have $100 million in the bank, but when you're dead, it's not yours anymore. You know, so, I mean, and you can, you have a hundred, did I say a hundred million? When you have a hundred million dollars, you can buy a lot of things. You can buy a lot of houses and, and a lot of clothing, but when you die, you don't take any of it with you. But when you die in the Lord, you take everything with you. Everything. Your life doesn't cease. And so I'm saying to all of us, let us be single focused. Let us keep our eye on the Lord totally and not be distracted by the crazy things that are going on in the world, whether they're going on in our nation or other nations. Don't be distracted. You can, you can watch the news and take up a new cause every day. Hallelujah. Verse 19, Jesus says, I mean, the scripture says, therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these things. So Jesus came and he brought division. So Jesus, by division, uh, he brought uh, the knowledge of right and wrong, good and evil. You know, so we know who's with God and who's not. So we, I don't have to argue with people. If they're not with God, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out. You know, if you are believing something that is erroneous, it's going to be known. I've, I've found in my life that a lot of times when believers are always saying, yes, but, yes, but, after a while, they're gone. And I hope you're not a, a yes, but person. I hope you're not a person who always finds something wrong with what is said. 
if you are, if you are that kind of person, you won't be long on the right side because, because time will always tell. So what I'm saying is what we need to do here in these scriptures is to learn what we have from God and then walk it out. There was a division among them because Jesus came to bring this division, a clear delineation between lies and truth, good and evil. Wow. Listen to verse 20. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? That's the nuttiest thing. Can you imagine somebody opening the eyes of the blind, casting out demons, you know, healing leprosy, uh, healing uh, paralysis, and you say, they have a demon. I mean, the world is like that, brothers and sisters. So let's know uh, uh, where we are in God. and Let's know where we are in time as well. And then the uh, other said, uh, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So that's the side I want to be on, not those who are mischaracterizing things. In John chapter 9, verse 16, uh, we read this before in one of our previous uh, lessons. It says, therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. He's not religious enough. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So don't, don't be too bad. Don't be, uh, rather, don't be too upset when there is a division, certain divisions, because certain divisions tell us who's right and who's wrong. And then later on, uh, there was opposition at the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem. Uh, this was about two months after Jesus the last confrontation with the Jewish leaders at the Feast of Tabernacles in John chapter 7. This was about two months later. And in verse 22, it says, Now it was the, the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. They were hypocrites. They were liars. They wanted him to say something so they could kill him, have an excuse to kill him. He had shown them. Now notice what Jesus is saying. Jesus said, answered them, I told you and you do not believe. See, you have to understand his language. You and I know when Jesus speaks to your heart, you know it, right? Now sometimes we may want somebody to corroborate, and I've done that. I've said, you know, I really believe that Jesus said such and such. Does it sound like him to you? And some brother or sister say, that sounds just like Jesus. There's nothing wrong with you, you know, if you have brothers and sisters, you come from a large family. You say, I heard a voice. Was that dad? Say, yes. Well, let me get to the house. You know, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that you independently, I know the voice of God, and it doesn't matter what anybody is saying. No, no. I'm saying there are times when those others who know the voice of God, you can ask them, does this sound like God? Now, listen to what so um, Jesus said, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. They are my witnesses. The, the, the works that I do are my witnesses. But you do not believe, he said to them, because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, as I said to you, Jesus, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now notice what he says. I want to read it again. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And remember what we read in John 
10, verses 3 and 4, Jesus said uh, to, the, to him, or the, to the doorkeeper, uh, the sh- um, to him, the shepherd rather, the doorkeeper opens. So to the shepherd, the doorkeeper opens. And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, so he calls you by name and leads you out. Now, notice, and verse 4 says, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. There, they know his voice. Right. So you know the voice of, of, of your shepherd. Now, that, that's not the only promise. So be certain of these things. You don't want to be learning these things on the fly. You want to know these things when you go outside these doors. No, I am a sheep. I hear the shepherd's voice. I know it, and I am known by my shepherd. So when my shepherd hears me bleeping, beep, whatever that noise is, the shepherd knows that that's dawn over there. He doesn't get it mixed up with somebody else. So you have to know that. You have to know that. So it's amazing to me. Verse 28 says, and I give them eternal life. So what kind of life does Jesus give you? Eternal life. So how many of you uh, have eternal life here today? Come on, now, if, you, if, you, if, you know, if you're happy and you know it, raise your hand. <laughs> I mean, I mean you're going to keep your hand out by your side. You're not going to come up in here on this platform. No, I'm messing, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. Okay, let's look at 28. says, and I give them eternal life. This is huge to me. I know there are people who've been taught, and we've, many of us have been taught, and we, we got rid of that teaching, that one day we'll have eternal life. I know if, you've been, if you're any age at all, you were, you were taught that at some juncture you're going to have eternal life. But Jesus didn't say, I will give, I give them. Amen. They come to me, I give them. I give them eternal life. You right now, in, the, in these earthen vessels, have eternal life working in you. Amen. Amen. I, I don't know much about cards. I've forgotten what I, I, I knew. But I know we used to play games of cards, and we always had what we called the trump card. Remember that one? And, and it beat, what, all the cards? All the, all the cards. It beat all the cards. And so right now, your eternal life or the, life, the Jesus life in you beats everything outside. It, it wins. It doesn't matter how you feel. It, it wins over everything. So you have to know those things. And there's no yes but to this scripture. Listen, he says, and they shall never perish. <laughs> never perish. Now, listen, now this, I like this. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Have you ever felt like you were so bad that, that you could take yourself out of God's hand? Well, he says, neither shall anyone. You're somebody. You can't even snatch yourself out. If, you, if, if, if ignorance of scripture and, and, and um, a lack of knowledge could take anybody from God, I would be gone. You would too. Now listen to what he says. So we want to know the, the, this truth when we walk out of these doors. He said, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Nobody is able to catch them away. Nobody's able to pluck them and pull them up by force. That's what he's saying. No one's able. No one's able. Now, remember what Jesus said 
in um, John 10, verse 12, he says, But a hireling, who, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. He snatches them. That's what that means. He catches them. He snatches them by force. He says, but nobody's able to do that to my sheep. You can't snatch. There's no wolf. There's no demon. Listen, there's no demon. There's no demon. And you don't need a special a demon casting out exercise. Now he says, there's no demon that can snatch you. What? Out of that guy's hand was the pastor's hand, the preacher's hand, the evangelist's hand, the, the whoever's hand. No, but nobody's able to snatch him out of my hand. My father gave them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. It, it, it just is so powerful. This is what God says. And so if you, you grew up in a, in a particular denomination that if you sneezed wrongly, you were going to hell, then just throw that stuff away. You know, I remember Dorcas telling me, and she says, she says, chew the meat and spit out the bones. I and my father are one. I think I want to leave it there. So let's believe God. Jesus is life giver. He didn't come to mess your life up. He didn't come to give you so many trials and tribulations that, that you live in a, I don't want to use that word, but in a nasty place, a smelly place. You always live with a bad attitude, always hurt and wounded, all messed up. Jesus didn't come for that. He came to give you and me life, and that more abundantly. That is overflowing life. Overflowing life. You remember that song we used to sing, maybe some of you? Uh, Here's my cup, Lord. Fill it up. You remember that song? How does it go? Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. You know, if all you got is a cup, let him fill it up. Let it, let it overflow. You know, as a child, and I'm going to take my seat in a couple of minutes, but that, if, as a child, you remember, those of you who are young, you may not remember because you've lived in a time of great abundance. When we were little, uh, we'd have our glass, and if somebody was pouring some uh, soda in there, and they would get about half full and stop, you say, no more. See, these young folks don't know what that means. The young people don't know, but, you know, more. It may have even been Kool-Aid, and they stopped about half, oh, no, no, more. Fill it up. Fill it up to the brim, we would say because we wanted all of it. And God wants that for us because Jesus has supplied abundantly. There's no reason why we should be malnourished. There should be no reason why we, we should say, I don't know what to think. Well, you need to come to church more often. You need to get in your Bible more often. You need to have private worship at home more often because Jesus has come to give you a new way of thinking. And, he, he, and he's brought truth into you. Truth is not just some, a commodity that's outside you. Truth is not like water in this bottle to you. Truth is you are the bottle. And this is in you.
not something exterior. Are you still with me, everybody? Okay, let's walk out of here and believe this. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen.